Hello, and welcome back to Sass, Stories, and Sarcasm. We're your hosts, Brian and Mary, and this is episode 171. And it's December, and let's see, this week, the weekend was pretty fun, pretty packed. Uh, on Friday, we did a wine tasting, a virtual wine tasting, because uh, we're clients of my dad's, and so we did a wine tasting with DeLil Sellers, and then also had some Beecher's Cheese, and Gavin and Andrea came over, so that was very fun. Which yes. one was your favorite one, Brian? Uh, I liked the, was it D2? I believe that was that wine. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one. Um, you also, uh, you forgot to mention that it came with some crackers in this. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, we didn't just have straight <laughs> cheese. Yes. Yes. But the cracker uh, was the crackers part of it. The little yes. crackers. Well, no, well? it was Beecher's crackers or Beecher's Beecher's crackers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, those are some good crackers. Honestly, I feel like the crackers were very underrated. Um, oh yeah, Braden had um Braden had texted me like the day before and was like these crackers are life changing. And they actually <laughs> are so good. Like I didn't know, but Beecher's makes good cheese and good crackers. Yes. Because those two go hand in hand. But but uh did you have a uh, favorite wine, Mary? Um I also like the D2. When uh, Gavin asked you how you thought it tasted, what did you say? I think I say it was like liquidy. <laughs> Soft and liquidy. Soft and liquidy, which in my defense are very true. It is very soft and it's very liquidy. Yeah. I don't know the technical terms <laughs> on, you know, how to judge different wines. And, you know, some of them are a little bit rougher. I don't know what the right term is. So it's soft and liquidy. That's what that's what I'm saying. That's what mm-hmm. makes a good wine. And then the next day we went to a battle in Seattle at Climate Pledge Arena. And we'll talk about the actual game um, in a bit, but uh, we got to go to Climate Pledge Arena. It's our second time, first time going to like a sporting event there, the Coldplay concert. And uh, afterwards got to meet up with Hannah and Corey and then another friend from college, Beth and her fiance and her sister. And so it was fun Zag reunion. The only thing about the game that I'll mention right now is uh, we were way up high and there's a bunch of it was pretty much all Zags in the crowd. I mean, there's a few Alabama fans, but uh, our row decided that they didn't have assigned seats. And so we were standing up and sitting down nearly the whole game. Like there was two other girls sitting next to me, then me and then Brian. And then like basically the rest of the row was just like a free for all. It seemed like They're like, oh, sorry, <laughs> I got to get in and out. I'm like, how many times do you go to the bathroom during this two hour game? And then at one point, like there's all these new people coming in and I'm like, who are all these people? And there's like, then they're like, oh, sorry, we have to get out again because there's not enough seats here. I'm like, why aren't you sitting in your assigned seat? And then I told the girl next to me, I was like, it's like a clown car down there. There's just unlimited number of seats in this row. Yeah, it's the like, endless row. But all in all, it was very fun. And we got a leg workout out of it uh, because yes. we stood up and sat down several times. Uh, it was, you know, close to being in the kennel. We started, there's a few good cheers. Uh, not quite as loud, even though it was mostly zags, but it was as close to being in the kennel as we can get as alumni. And I haven't seen the Zags play live since uh, 2019 when they played UW in Seattle. And so great to see them live again. And it was also the first time that Battle in Seattle had been played since I think 2015. So that was also exciting. And I'm glad that hopefully this will be a yearly thing again. Uh and then lastly, this weekend, we also went to uh, my brother's birthday, Chip. Uh, we went out to dinner for his birthday, and so that was very tasty as well. Um, anything else we did this weekend, Brian? 
Uh, no, you hit all the main points and I don't even know if there's anything I can add. I will add that, you know, it's less exciting than going out to basketball games and, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, but I did get a haircut. <laughs> oh yeah. I get my, my, uh, I think I get a haircut every three months or so. Cause I like it. I like it short. It's not. And, uh, it was time basically. Um, but yeah, the main event was definitely Battle in Seattle, which we'll get into. Yeah, we'll actually get into it right now. So we yep. actually ended up losing, if you didn't know, uh, 91 to 82. Um, and this is our second loss for the season, which is kind of disappointing. We're 7-2 yes. and two right now. And uh, the first half score was Alabama 51, Gonzaga 35. So we were down by 16, which is, you know... People were pretty deflated in the crowd, I'd say. And then, yeah, and and actually about that sixteen point. Before you go on any further, I did some research on that, and the sixteen point uh, deficit at halftime was the biggest for the Zags since back in two thousand and nine. Oh, so this great. is a long time ago that we. So, so everyone was very shocked. You know, we're not used to seeing this sort of deficit. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure for most people in the crowd, this is their first time seeing the Zags play since you know two seasons ago and so and it was like you know oh we work with our college friends and people and then it's like oh shoot like everyone's happy yeah (laughs) and then uh, everyone's panicked and sad (laughs) yeah and then the second half the score was 40 alabama gonzaga 47 so we did outscore them in the second half but we were still fell behind by nine um overall uh but you know we just didn't play great for most of the game no uh, we didn't uh, their star player whose name is let me look it up Jaden Shackleford he got 28 points against us and he scored 20 of those in the first half oh, boy. and yeah it was a lot and in Alabama Alabama made 10 out of their 13 three-pointers in the first half so that's a lot of three-pointers and it was very demoralizing just to see three-pointer after three-pointer and one of the big takeaways is I think that we struggle against teams that dictate their own pace. Yes. Like fast paced teams. It was because you kept on seeing like them pass the ball around. And then like, there's a guy that's wide open in the three pointer and hey, he should never be wide open. It happens but you see, so like, many times. It, you see, you see like our guy, like try to like uh, close out and like guard him, but like, he's like three steps away from him always. Uh, always so they're pretty much getting wide open three so that's something mark few's gonna have to look into is just better defense really i think our offense is fine like we scored 82 points that's that's a decent number but we can't allow 51 points against us in the first half which was really where a lot of the trouble came from like you said mary we we outscored them in the second half um and uh you know there was a point actually where we trailed as many as 18 points but we pulled it all the way back to, to 76 to 72 yeah four points within what like and, three or four minutes left i was like wait yeah we could and there was do hope this. yeah we could have actually uh you know this the headlines would have been very different than what they are what they turned out to be it could have been like gonzaga makes miraculous comeback or we you know pull i mean it through. i got a, a notification on my watch during the game it was like upset alert i'm like i know i'm here at the game right now <laughs> i'm aware like, stop it <laughs> this is the one time you don't need to notify me that there's an upset coming because First of all, I'm usually watching the Gonzaga games on TV, but th- in this case, I was physically at the game. I was aware that an upset could have happened. But I do want to say that um, the overall team stats were 
very even, but Alabama just outplayed us. Uh, the field goal percentage for Alabama was 43.1, but Gonzaga was 44.8. Uh, the three-point percentage mm-hmm. was 38.2 for Alabama and 39.1 for Gonzaga. So both of those were higher percentage than Alabama. Turnovers, both yeah, at I- 12, and then rebounds, Alabama had 43 and Gonzaga had 42. So we were a very evenly matched team uh, met like numbers wise, but Gon- or Alabama just outplayed us. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And the, there's the one stat that I will point out that we we struggled on was free throws for, for some random reason oh, yeah. that came like we gave up so many like free points that we could have had. We shot 52% from the, from the free throw line, 13 out of 25. So if we had just made say 20 out of 25, that would have, basically you know almost tied the game right there so if we shot like our standard like 80 percent or whatever um it would have been a lot closer but you know it's definitely something to learn from let's let's hope we learn from it because i don't want to see this again very one other thing i wanted to note well actually i have two things to note but one of them is that alabama was in so much foul trouble there was like four players with four fouls each at the end of the game that's true at the end of the game alabama had had 24 fouls and Gonzaga had 15. And so I was like, why didn't we, need we do to capitalize anything? on that? Yeah. Why didn't yeah. we do with all these, do with all this foul trouble that could have helped us. But again, we weren't doing great on the free throw. So maybe it wouldn't have helped us as much as we needed to, but you'd think that it would have helped uh, more. And then the other thing I want to note is this is the first time we've seen uh, superstar Chet Holmgren play in person. <laughs> in person right? <laughs> and you know how they say, I think my mom said this, I think how they say the camera adds 10 pounds it's true because he looked even skinnier in person. And I thought he was very skinny on TV. His limbs are noodles. Like literally they get a, a 200 to 300 pound or 250 pound player, you know, falls on top of him. His arm's going to crack in half. I know it's very scary. Every time he jumps, every time he like does anything, I'm like just biting my teeth. I'm like, ah, or biting my nails. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very scary. And then at one point uh, he was taken out of the game and you were like, Mark, you need to give him some Gatorade. I'm like, no, he needs to eat a dozen donuts before he comes back <laughs> in the game. He needs to fatten up. He's so yeah, that's... skinny. I mean, I don't yeah. He says he's been in the weight room, which I'm sure he has been because they all have been, but it has his biceps have not popped. Yeah. And his legs haven't popped either. I don't know what I know. weights he's doing. Literally like... so skinny. I mean, I think I read that he was extremely tall, like in eighth grade, but yeah, he was so so skinny and it was i mean we were again very far away and it was alarming to see him even from that far away in this in the crowd yes yes well hopefully hopefully gonzaga can you know make a bounce back our next game is on the ninth and it's against uh basically a team that we should beat it's called uh what's called mermac the mermac warriors i have no idea where they're from and we're projected to win, uh, you know, the matchup predictor thinks we have a 98.2% chance to win. So I don't want to see this being close. The last game we were projected to win by a lot. Actually, we didn't win by a lot. It was against like the Southern Texas team. We only won by 10 points. That's the thing. So, Carleton State, we thought that was an easy, going to be an easy game. And then, right. you know, we, we weren't watching it because I didn't get the channel. And then all of a sudden we got an upset alert for that one too. Much. Yeah. Are yeah, you kidding like, me? Yeah. It was like five minutes left and it was like a two point game or something like that. I mean, like thank that. goodness we, we won that game because that would have been a rough three games in a row of losing. Uh, yeah. And especially to uh, 
cartilage and state. That would have been really bad. Uh, But at least, I mean, losing to Duke, fine. Whatever, that was fine with me. Yeah, It was close. It could have gone either way. This game, I was a little more surprised about that we lost. But because this, it was less, it was less even. It was more. This, yeah, this should be the last loss of the season, at least until March, whatever. But yeah, we should not be losing any more games. Uh, and also our schedule, that was the last of our hard schedule, hopefully. I think so too. Our hard schedule. It will be interesting because we're going to play against Washington and that, that they're not really, shouldn't be a challenge. We're also going to play against Texas Tech, which on the 18th, which should be the last somewhat difficult opponent in the non-conference mm-hmm. uh, teams. And then our conference teams are pretty much all very easy. BYU is still ranked. Definitely got to ramp it up for BYU, but the other ones, we better win. Exactly, exactly. That's all I have to say. Yep, we're in a quarter. It's... Yep. So do you want to talk about uh, this Walmart shoplifting story that you found? Yeah, so I was just reading articles, looking for interesting stories to share on the podcast, and I came across this one, and it's it's wild. <laughs> so basically, an Alabama woman was falsely arrested for shoplifting at Walmart, then uh, threatened by the company, Walmart, after her case was dismissed, and she was awarded $2.1 million in damages. She so could buy happened- at Walmart at that price. Maybe. <laughs> I know, I'm just saying. Who she knows? Could buy everything in the store. She she, she could buy. She's probably set for life in Alabama with two point one million dollars. Um, but anyways, uh, apparently she was trying to leave the a Walmart with groceries she had already paid for, and she had used the self checkout, but the scanning device froze, and the workers didn't accept her explanation, and she was arrested for shoplifting. Her case was <laughs> later just her case was later dismissed that year. And she received letters from a Florida law firm threatening a civil suit that if she didn't pay a $200 settlement, uh, that, that she, she basically uh, would be in trouble if she didn't pay a $200 settlement. And according to her, this is more than the groceries that she had originally purchased in the first place was. Where it's, anyways, and basically uh, Walmart instructed his law firm to send letters out to basically uh it it was unclear on who was actually receiving them uh because she wasn't the only one receiving these letters and and basically uh the attorney said to find the defendants have engaged in a pattern and a practice of falsely accusing innocent alabama citizens of shoplifting and thereafter attempting to collect money from the innocently accused so it's probably like scaring people thinking that they owe money yeah. And they, they really don't. Uh, Weird. So. But also I have to say, if I'm in the self-checkout line and the thing freezes, I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, I'll just About. walk out with my groceries. <laughs> I'm going to be, go talk to someone and be like, is it okay if I walk out? What do I do in this situation? I'm yeah, obviously I I'm not, I don't use just like, it froze, it's their fault. I'm just going to leave with my groceries or whatever I'm buying. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So right. I see where Walmart's coming from because she didn't do what she should have probably done. No, she should have gotten some sort of receipt or looked on her bank account for some sort of statement or got help before she just walked out after the thing froze right but either way she was cleared of that charge later on and um the 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 main issue was that walmart was just sending out uh these letters to innocent alabama citizens (laughs) and uh 
they were basically kind of like using fear tactics to get them to pay money, uh, which apparently is illegal. So she won $2.1 million. I wish that could happen to me, Mary. I could use $2.1 million. After but, all uh, those times of you buying lottery tickets and you haven't won anything. Yeah. Even walked into a really sketchy 7-Eleven because you thought that's where the winner could be instead of at the nice Safeway. You know, you know, guys, it's always in the really bad gas stations. So you risk your life, walk. not risk your life, but I'm just saying you risked it all to walk into the sketchy 7-Eleven. I did. I risked it all. I risked it all and nothing bad happened, but nothing good happened. Nothing either. good happened either. <laughs> nothing <win> happened. <laughs> and exactly. every time you buy a water ticket, you're like, this is it. I'm going to win. Like, there's no way I can't win. You're you're always like, there's no way that I can't win tonight. I mean, I guess that's a good attitude, (laughs) but like, then you're very disappointed when it doesn't happen when, when you should just be like, I'm not going to win. And then someday it just happens and you're not expecting it. Right. And then I hype up all my friends. I'm like, I'll give you some if I win. Today's the day. Today's the day. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. In college, when I did the fake lottery (laughs) prank on you and I'd been like talking to you for like a few days about it. I'm like, what would you do if you won the lottery? And you're like, well, I would, you know, pay off my student loans. And then I'd, uh, then I'd give, take all my friends out to dinner. And then I'd give them all some money, blah, 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 all this, all these big plans. And then we did the fake lottery prank on you. And then the first thing you said, we have this on video. You said, this is all mine. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I was joking. I, I definitely give some to you, Mary. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah. I'm well, just, there you go. Now you have it on, on audio. I will give you some. We need to write this down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we're going to talk about uh, the Bachelorette recap. So we already have covered the first four episodes about three weeks ago. And now we're going to mm-hmm. cover the next three episodes. Um, and then after that, there's only a few episodes left and we'll cover the rest of it in January because it's ending the week of Christmas. So we'll cover it once Brian's back in town. But yep. We're going to start off with episode number five and the remaining men travel to Michelle's hometown, Minneapolis, which is, this is big for the bachelorette because they haven't traveled at all since COVID started. So from, for right. them to go from California to Minneapolis is that's huge, even though it's tight. Yeah, usually you don't want to go from California to Minneapolis, but they were psyched to go traveling. So yeah, they were excited like, to leave the hotel. Um, first up on this episode, Joe got, goes on a one-on-one date. He's also from Minnesota and he played basketball as a refresher. Um, they go to target field for Min- the Minnesota twins game and Michelle throws out the first pitch. Then they go to Michelle's high school where they look at pictures of Michelle, like from playing basketball and stuff when she was in high school. And then the night portion of the date, Joe opens up his backstory to Michelle about being oriented with sports, uh, especially basketball. And then it, he suffered many injuries and he had to give up his athletic career after suffering from anxiety and depression and then michelle gives him a rose overall she likes him a lot and i think it does help that he's from minnesota she i don't think she wants to leave minnesota right and this is also the guy that she apparently went on a date with prior to or she she dm'd or was messaging messaging yeah she knew him some something about that yeah very vaguely she had talked to him before um then is there's a date a group date wrote group date with nine guys and they go to us bank stadium and they do an ultimate viking challenge now this is where the vikings play so i think that they thought it was me more like a football date but no they dressed up as vikings and they did a bunch of viking challenges and yeah probably not what they prefer to do yeah and i specifically about this viking challenge i remember them eating like random foods that 
that were like like octopus uncooked and it was pretty gross <laughs> and they did the arm wrestling and all that yeah then at the night portion um in the u.s bank oh wait sorry then then they uh you know go back for the night portion and some of the guys start telling michelle that martin is not there for the right reasons and martin's the guy who just keeps like putting his foot in his mouth i'd say over and over yes. and saying kind of like weird things to her about feminism and like what he wants his wife to be like uh yeah he's he's certainly a very opinionated guy and a lot of those opinions probably wouldn't go over well with she's a very strong a woman and modern women <laughs> yeah and he just keeps saying stuff and then she's like what did you say and he's like well i didn't mean what i said i didn't say it the right way and she's like well figure out how to say it like whatever you're trying to say because i don't understand <laughs> um but nonetheless he stays um then uh and clayton gets the group date rose on that date but of course he doesn't win because he's the next bachelor nope. uh next up nate gets the next one-on-one date at lake minnetonka where they ride a boat and they meet two of michelle's best friends from home um and they all seem to get along and her friends seem to like him and then the night portion in the u.s bank stadium they discuss goals with their potential relationship until another guy chris shows up in the middle of the date and he interrupts Michelle and tells him the reasons why Nate's not good for her and all of this. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not a good time. Obviously she likes him. Uh, she sends Chris home and then she watches some fireworks with Nate uh, and gives him a rose. And then at the final rose ceremony, she sends two more guys home. Still, there was too many guys at this port part in the season to even name all of them, but we're getting there. Yeah. So, Brian, do you want to start off episode six? Yeah, so the next episode starts off with some of Michelle's fifth grade students. Uh, They're going to the hotel to evaluate some of the men that uh, she's going to pick later. uh, No, they're going to pick. They're going to pick for the one-on-one date. Yes, the students are going to pick some guy for Michelle to go on a one-on-one date with. So mm-hmm. the, the guys are basically competing against each other to make the, the students like them. <laughs> uh, one of the, and one of the kids likes Clayton's strong arms. Ulu has a kid on his back while he's doing push-ups. Uh, Clayton at the end won that part of the date or won the date with I think Michelle. what won them over though is that he made a, a fort. A pillow fort. Yeah, pillow he made fort. a pillow fort. And, and they that, all seem to like that. Yes. So make a pillow fart people if you're trying mm-hmm. to impress kids. <laughs> uh, so they ride in the limo and then they go to the Bell Museum of National History. It was, it's kind natural of like- Natural history. What did I say? National. <laughs> oh, na- natural history there. <laughs> and it was kind of like Ned at the museum. So like, they're like the only ones in the museum going around and uh, looking at all the exhibits. Mm-hmm. Um, Clayton tells his backstory when he had a- basically had a, a rough last five years of his life. Uh, Michelle thought about giving Clayton a rose, but ultimately decided the chemistry wasn't there and she sent him home. Uh, so it's, it's very sad, but remember he becomes the, he's going to be next, next, he'll be, uh, fine. he'll be fine. He'll be the bachelor next, uh, next time the bachelor's up and in January. Uh, yep. So right before he uh, leaves the, and the next two or the next day, two of Michelle's students who met Clayton the first time, gave him some letters saying they're sorry their teacher dumped him and they hope he gets married and has kids one day. And then Clayton starts crying. That was paraphrased. So, I, I did not actually read that, you know, yo, that's what they said. They did not, they they said, did not sorry. sorry, sorry. Our teacher dumped you. Yeah. Yeah. That, they, they did not say that, that part. They that was my paraphrasing part. in these notes <laughs> just to clear it up. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Because these are like, what, like third, fourth grade? Fifth grade students. Fifth grade students. Okay, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think they'd use that language. <laughs> um, then um, the last group date of the season, because, you know, we're getting to the end here, has six guys on it, and they go to a dairy farm where they have to milk cows at the barn and churn butter. And Joe wins the challenge after filling up his milk bottle. But it, it's unfair because it sounds like his family owns a dairy farmer. Someone in his. Yeah, he let that slip. Like she was yeah. very impressed with him. But then he's like, oh, yeah, I, I do this all the time. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, so it's not that impressive. And like, but she was impressed at first. But I mean, also, he's from Minnesota. So all these other people who are not probably from the Midwest. Exactly. Maybe haven't had these experiences <laughs> or opportunities for this experience. So he got a leg up there. Um, and then their last task is to clean up poop, basically. But Nate hurt his back while filling the wheelbarrow. So he just went and talked to Michelle instead. I don't know. Um, also on the date, she realizes that Martin is immature. Took her, what, two episodes to figure this out since people started bringing it up to her. And yes. sends him home. And then she gives Nate the group date rose, even though he did not clean up any poop on the date. Yeah, so that in my mind is like, okay, Nate's definitely the top runner. Oh yeah, go ahead. Okay, and then Brandon uh, gets one uh, the last one on one date of the season, and they go to an ice. They go uh, basically get ice cream, and then they go get go to her parents' house. Her parents aren't home. She shows him around the house, and he and uh, she asks him if he wants to go into the hot tub with her. And he didn't have a swimming suit, so she let him borrow one of her dad's swimming suits. And basically they start kissing in the pool, like a bunch of sneaky teenagers. <laughs> suddenly, and her suddenly her parents come home. Her parents oh, come. I mean, I, it, that was not a producer move at all. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's very it's obvious when their parents are coming home and, and you see like a camera angle watching their parents slowly walk through the home, looking oh, yeah. around. You're like, okay, you obviously see a camera like pointed at you while you're entering your own house. It's not like this is like completely you know, like not scripted, <laughs> but anyway, so they, they're shocked, quote unquote, to find their daughter in some random dude in their hot tub, let alone wearing the dad's swimming trunks. <laughs> um, but anyways, Brandon meets the parents and he eventually asks for their blessing. He's very excited to meet her family. And then she gives him the rose. Yep. And then at the uh, rose ceremony, two more guys are sent home and now it's just the final four. So now we can finally say all the names and not just be like, hey, more guys went on this group date, whatever. So the top four are Nate, Brandon, Joe, and Rodney. And they are the first, the first all black final four in Bachelor franchise history. So just a fun fact right there. Yeah. Um, now this most recent episode is episode seven and Brian and I will go back and forth talking about each of the hometown dates. I'll start with Brandon's hometown. They're, again, they're not traveling, so they just have to pretend that they're in the locations where these guys grow up. So Brandon's from Portland, Oregon, and they go to a warehouse that's supposed to show what his life is like in Portland, uh, and he shows her some skateboarding tricks. And you know, then she goes and meets Brandon's family. I'd say it, has, it goes very well. Like His whole family seems to like her. There's no drama at all. I know even you commented on that, Brian. There's no no drama at all, no hesitation. He seems right. Parents think even, that he's even, ready for to for an engagement, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And even uh, I think even the parents were like, "Oh, we like your your dad as well." So it looked like the parents would get along. So well, yeah, it seems like yeah, they both liked fishing. Yeah, exactly. You can bond over fishing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's okay. when you know it's gonna work when both families like to fish. 
There you go. <laughs> um, so next up, we have Rodney's hometown. And basically what they did was they did a date at the park where they went apple picking. That's kind of everything Rodney's has to go theme. back to apples. Yes, because one time he didn't know the difference. He was dressed up in a red apple and he's and he was like, I'm a cranny Smith apple. And uh, the one yeah, green apple, the, the one green apple, basically. And that's kind of been like the gag this entire season. Uh, so they went apple picking, then uh, rode bikes across the field. Um, Michelle met Rodney's parents. Rodney's mom is happy that Michelle is thinking about life outside the bachelor bubble, but doesn't want Rodney to get his heart broken. Uh, so definitely Just wait didn't... a minute and we'll, we'll come back to this. Yes. It, it, I mean, now, you know, what's going to happen, but it becomes very obvious. Um, mm-hmm. next up is Joe's hometown. He actually does get to show her, her his hometown since again, they're both in Minnesota. Yeah. So he takes her to his high school and gives her a tour. And then finally leads her to the gym. And I think she thought that she was going to go play basketball with him again, because that's what they keep doing. But no, he set up a prom. And Michelle has talked about several times this season how she was never chosen for prom in high school. And Joe said he'd never been to prom either. So they go to prom together at his high school, <laughs> just the two of them. Um, and then Michelle meets Joe's family, and they she gets the seal of approval from his sister-in-law and his brother seems to like her and his parents also do. And they also also seem very happy because if they end up being engaged, that means that they will remain close by in Minnesota is what they think. So that's a plus all around for both yeah, families. You, it sounds you don't like. have to, <laughs> you don't have to go off to some random state just to be with your significant other. That's a big plus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So ne- next up we have Nate, Nate's hometown. And it started off with them paddle boating pedal boarding not pedal boarding pedal boarding uh on a river she met nate's stepmom and no, mom. stepdad sorry i write, wrote that wrong stepdad. stepdad that's right nate's stepdad and mom and uh his his parents insinuate basically that nate might not be ready for an engagement uh it's been obvious uh for weeks that michelle likes him best so this troubles her uh, you know, Nate's but not too much. Like, it doesn't trouble her too much, though, because yes. she still doesn't send him home. But she's—I I don't know if this even phased her that much. She's just like, whatever, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. But maybe yes, it exactly. should be phasing her. Maybe she should be worried about it. But she did not seem very worried about it at all. But right. I guess they said that Nate's never been in love before, and so they're not sure if he'd be ready for if he knows what he's doing. Like yeah, he seems like is... he's just very happy-go-lucky like goofing around and might not understand the concept of commitment. (laughs) That's, that's, that was what I got from it. As you may have guessed from a few minutes ago, Michelle decides to send Rodney home, thus breaking his heart. Exactly what his mom did not want to happen, but probably better that she did it now than later. Cause I I don't think he would have won. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Brian was extremely sad about this. He was rooting for Rodney the whole season. Uh, you know, the bond of the apples is now gone. Uh, <laughs> yes. Roddy was definitely the underdog. He was like, he's like the guy that was like, really shouldn't have gotten that far. <laughs> like he's a nice guy, but that's basically all he was, at least to her. And it was, he was struggling to get out of the, the quote unquote friend zone. And uh, it just, just wasn't in the cards. It's very tragic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So last but not least, we noticed, actually, I noticed today that, you know, Amazon just wasn't working how it should. So I had some groceries that were supposed to be delivered between like nine and 10 today. And I was working from home and, you know, all of a sudden it's 10, it's 11, it's 12. And I'm like, where are my groceries? They're, 
always never, they usually they're pretty usually much always on time too. yeah and so and it had not even gone out and so then i went on amazon and i was checking and it said that you know it's not going to be delivered today and i was trying to contact customer service during lunch to see what's going on but then i finally and that wasn't even working they were like overloaded way more than normal so finally i googled is amazon down as you do and yes, turns out google will tell you yeah um, Amazon Web Services cloud servers were causing slow loading or f- failures for most of the internet, actually. So many, many different things were affected by this, um, including Disney Plus, Netflix, League of Legends, uh, Alexa, Kindle, Amazon, of course, all of those are Amazon, um, and security cameras from Ring or Wise. Uh, they also said that this caused problems for Tinder, Roku, Coinbase, no. <laughs> Cash App, Venmo, and many, many more. And so yes. basically Amazon goes down, the whole- The whole world goes down whole, now. <laughs> the whole, all society goes down with it because so many things are relying on Amazon Web Services. So right. it was just pretty interesting to see how much Amazon can affect us when it's not working. Because I don't remember another time when Amazon completely all went down. It didn't all go down, but it was- it did affect a lot of things. And yeah, I remember like a couple, like a month ago, Facebook went down, and that was like oh, yes. for a day. And, and you know, like some people freaked out, but I feel like Amazon Web Services uh, are connected to a lot more companies, and you know, just you yourself, you couldn't get your groceries, and then all those services you've list, listed off uh, that are like connected, like it's definitely going to impact a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people yeah. said they said that people started noticing this at uh, t- seven forty-five Pacific time, and then just after three p.m. Pacific time, that's when Amazon Web Services status showed many services have already recovered. However, we're working towards full recovery across services. Um, and actually, on Anchor, where we host our podcast, there's also the same message. So who knows when we'll get this podcast up? But I just <laughs> thought it was interesting how much Amazon really affects everything yes yeah that's definitely true yeah anyways hope you guys all have a good week and hope you're not too affected by these amazon outages <laughs> um let's hope the zags have no more losses for the rest of the year yep fingers crossed talk to you next week bye bye